Welcome to Art Throb, where you'll find inquisitive conversations between Art Throb host Kate Savage and artists, writers, performers, producers, and artistic entrepreneurs about their work and all things arts related. Get to know who's doing the work, who's making the arts happen, and who's keeping them exciting and accessible. Gain an insider's view through these exchanges and a glimpse into the wonder-filled world of creative individuals. Hello and welcome to Art Throb, the bi-weekly podcast about all things arts. I'm your host, Kate Savage, and I'll be talking to several members of the Act Out Theatre Group. Act Out Theatre Group was founded in 1997 by several individuals dedicated to sharing their passion with others. It's based in Lexington, Kentucky, and is an active and enthusiastic theatre group with many events and activities taking place year-round. Their mission is to promote and produce quality, thought-provoking, LGBTQ plus-themed theatre in and around the central Kentucky region in a positive, supportive, and non-judgmental manner. Their intent is to be an all-inclusive entity, encouraging all members of the Central Kentucky acting community to participate in theatre productions. They have a particular emphasis on addressing the LGBTQ plus themes. Right now, they have a new production that's soon opening at the Black Box Theatre in the Pam Miller Downtown Arts Centre. The play is called Five Lesbians Eating Quiche. It was co-written by Andrew Hobgood and Evan Linda. And without giving the story away, but kind of setting the scene so we can have some conversation here, it finds, it opens, finding five women assembled in a church basement, along with the audience, the folks who are there in the seats, because apparently this is an interactive play. So they're there for the 1956 annual meeting of the Susan B. Anthony Society for the Sisters of Gertrude Stein's annual quiche breakfast. The normally idyllic gathering where the motto is no men, no meat, all manners is upended when the society's matriarchs must confront the startling revelation that an atom bomb may be falling on their fair city. As fears are confronted and confessions fly, the chipper ladies stay firm in their commitment that the quiche is a mighty thing and that one must respect the egg. And we'll come back to that, okay? But meanwhile, these are my guests today. I have Marty Wayman, who is the director of Bespoke Play and also a board member of the Act Out Theatre Group. She has been directing in Lexington and surrounding areas since the mid-80s and has worked several Kentucky theatre companies. Her recent shows include last year's production, and gosh, it was wonderful, of The Normal Heart for the Act Out Theatre Company. She's been active in LGBTIA plus events since her high school days and is the mother of a trans son and a gay son. So that's Marty, guest number one. Guest number two is Chris Ratcliffe. Chris is a local actor and is playing the part of Ren Robin in the show. And Ren Robin is the events chairperson of this esteemed group of Susan B. Anthony folks. So that's number two. 
And number three, my guest number three, is Soraya Shalash. And she is also featured in the play. She's also acting as the historian. So uh, evidently she must have all the background on it. She's playing Dale, That's and it will be her debut with Act Out Theatre. She's performed, however, with Studio Players, a local Lexington group, Actors Guild as well, uh, as the BCTC Theatre, Antagonist Productions, and good old Balagula Theatre when it used to be, when we had it, which we don't anymore. And we actually are sadly lacking on the theatre scene here in Lexington. So, yippee, that we've got Act Out Theatre. This is Pride Month, so that's not... Uh, unintentional. Marty, as the director of the play, welcome, by the way, ladies. Long introduction, but with three guests, there was a lot to kind of encapsulate. Marty, how difficult was this show to cast? Did you have a good audition turnout? And talk a little bit about the process, how you went about, I guess, selecting these five lesbians to eat quiche. The Auditions were a little bit early because the other theater companies in the area were also auditioning for shows in this time frame. So I thought I better get moving. And I had um, 11 people audition for five roles. And I was fortunate because all 11 of them were very, very good. And what that meant is that I could have, you know, almost cast the show twice. I had certain age requirements for some roles, but all of that was covered, and I was very lucky. None of the people were uh, uncomfortable with the lesbian issue, which is something I made sure they weren't going to get halfway through audition and go, oh, no, I don't want to do that. And I wanted to make sure that everyone was very interested and excited about presenting this during Pride. And everyone, it's the young people today, for the most part, are very, very, you know, Pride forward. And um, we've had a really excellent time in rehearsals. We're ready to show it off. So actually, you're just a few days out, and I imagine the excitement's beginning to mount. Talk a little bit about what you did to screen, if you will, the folks that auditioned? Uh, were they all women, for example? And how did you screen them to make sure that they weren't going to uh, be squeamish, I suppose, about the lesbian aspect? They were all women, and I usually am not gender-specific, but this show specifically called for women, and I decided I needed to bow to that. And it takes place in the year 1956, and I had a couple guys I would have loved to have used, but I wanted to honor the playwright's choices, not unlike Normal Heart last year where there was only the one woman and everyone else was men, and I could not have switched that out by no. gender either. No. The women, I, I had on their audition form a little blurb about it. We talked about it. As we went through, we have fun auditions. I give very fun auditions. And so we talked about it a little bit. And when it came to casting, a lot of it had to do with who had conflicts, who was the in the right age range, 
who was getting along the best, but everyone got along really well. And it was a gift. And then we had a whole month before we started rehearsals, Kate, and we got together every week and got to know each other. So you've made some solid friendships there. Yes. This is sort of your niche as well, isn't it? Because you, as I said in the introduction, you have a trans son and a gay son, and you've kind of found your kind of calling in this way. You are a trained director with an MFA in directing, so theater is your your world, your love. Is it some sort of a, a passion that you have to just stay within this kind of genre, Marty, or do you see yourself doing all kinds of other plays as well? I've always done a wide variety of plays. I'm sort of known for my comedies, my farces, and this show is a little bit of both. It's uh, got a little bit of both in it. I am up next with the 10-minute play festival, which I try to do as often as I'm invited, and I'm excited about that. And we have some plans for the future for act out, some of which includes me and some of which doesn't. And it's a variety of show, and we'll get to that later, perhaps, if there's time. Well, and do you produce one a year, or or do you just kind of when they come along? They have been, our producer is Terry Mullins, who's our president, and he's the executive producer. He and Bill started the group 25 years ago. This is our 25th year. He's the executive producer, and the board and I um, have several people on it who direct, several who act, several who are just worker bees who are so important. So we have this show here during Pride. Next, coming up in the fall will be Paul Rudnick, who is a very funny, funny writer, New York funny, if you know. And he's done many screenplays and shows, and he's got a play called The New Century that was written about... 15, 20 years ago, and that has three directors, and they all come together together in the fourth, and that's coming up. We're also looking at a very sordid wedding. We've done all the sordid plays, which is a sort of series of movies and plays, and after that, we're going to look at a Harvey Fierstein piece, so we've got a variety. Well, it's music to my ears because you obviously have a season planned out and it's not just wait and see you are surging ahead and coming off the back of the pandemic a lot of people have sort of struggled to get their footing again but it sounds as if you're putting your best foot forward and you've got a slate of plays that you're just going to fill the calendar with I want to talk to Soraya now for a moment as I said Soraya is playing Dale the historian and this is her debut And I want to know, first of all, what was sort of your idea in auditioning for this? Because presumably when you audition for something, you want the role. So um, what was compelling about this play for you? Well, uh, thank you. Thank you for having me on. And I was familiar with a scene from this play from a small compilation that was done several years ago, I believe in 2015, and it was directed by Burley Thomas. And he had chosen an excerpt from this play for uh, several of us to read. And that got me 
certainly interested. And then whenever I heard that Act Out was planning on producing the, the full show, I was excited to hear what happened because I never actually picked up the the, the play and read it on my own. So um, part of it was selfish, just wanting to hear what happens to these characters after the the one scene wherein, you know, some some revelations were set out and there was there was some excitement, but there was definitely still a lot of action left to be revealed. So at this point in time, how many quiches have you eaten? It started with the first getting to know you evening when Marty brought quiche. And then I believe I made quiche. And there's been some iteration of quiche at the last few rehearsals um, as we're starting to to use real props. So enough. I've had enough quiche. Well, but you haven't even opened yet. So you're. Gonna... <laughs> I guess you're going to have to order yourself a big juicy steak for that final event. Oh, I don't know. I'm, I'm trying to embody the the no men, no meat, all manners as much as I can between now and then. My husband, of course, disagrees with the, the no men part of it, but I am trying to eat a little bit less meat. <laughs> Talk about that motto. Talk about that. What is that all about? I think it's it's a playful take on the sisterhood, just that, you know, all of their, their members are women and, and they consider themselves sisters. And this is an escape from regular society where we're in, especially in 1956, the men are making the rules. And really, even though it's the women making dinner, it might be the men, the men's preferences, uh, proclivities that are, are really ruling the table. And this is a way to honor the egg, which is, you know, the sister's favorite food and, and the quiche that, that they bring to the table. So, in fact, are they actually meeting to eat quiche or is there, a, is there an agenda? Well, this is only the annual quiche breakfast. It's the it's the most prestigious event of their year, but presumably the Susan B. Anthony Society for the Sisters of Gertrude Stein meet about uh, other things. Uh, I believe they discuss things like ranger stations in the center of town and um, what other things their sisterhood might be able to do for their community. But the the quiche breakfast is. It's pretty literal. Everyone brings a quiche, and there's a there's a judging and a and a prize winning quiche. It's all taken very seriously. And there are five people in this play. And um, is this the role you wanted, or was it just sort of the one you landed? I didn't know what I wanted until I came in auditions. Marty had us read uh, each of the characters, and they're all a lot of fun. But when I got to to Dale and got the opportunity to tell her story, I did feel a certain kinship to her. So I was, I was excited when I was cast in this role. Well, good. Well, I'm going to move on to Chris for a minute, uh, but I'm going to come back to each of you, but just so that we know Chris is still with us. Um, so for you, Chris, what is the, the funnest part of your, of your role? Because you play the events chairperson, and I'm hoping that maybe with this threat of an atom bomb, that whatever event planning you have uh, already put in kind of goes haywire, I'm assuming, and things start to uh, maybe unravel or uh, go off piste. Not exactly what the event you planned, I assume. Uh, yes. What I really, I guess, enjoy is because like this, this was a woman who takes huge pride in, in throwing these events, especially the annual quiche breakfast. She loves what she does, and everything should go perfect. So it is interesting to see what happens to a person after it doesn't quite go perfect, mm -hmm. and like the facade that people put up, <laughs> if you will. 
And are you someone who is then expected within the context of the play to tamp down any kind of potential hysteria or do you kind of get caught up in the fever of the threat? Uh, get caught up in the fever of the threat. <laughs> <laughs> okay, so can anybody here talk about the interactivity of the audience or is that is that going to give away an aspect that is sort of a surprise? Marty? The audience comes in and everyone is given a, ma a name tag, a woman's name tag from the 50s. And they are part of the sisterhood. And they, are, and I mean men and women, are given name tags. And they all say Helen or Lois or Suzette or Henrietta. And they will be seated in the audience. But they're, part, they're there for the breakfast. Everyone's there for the breakfast. And the um, audience is part of our story. We we talk with them, we include them in things, we include them in in special chants, uh, good morning fellow widows, etc., and how they respond. And it's a lot of fun. At at intermission, I'm not going to give anything away by saying this. At intermission, we have two special other sisters who will sing a song and bring everyone out to the lobby. And we are going to have some little quiche for everyone to enjoy. Thanks to movable feast. And yeah. then we'll head back for the rest of the show. And we continue to work with the audience and we even do some dancing with them. Oh, good. That sounds wonderful. I'm coming this weekend. I can't good. wait. Good. Soraya. How is a show set in 1956 relatable to audiences today? Are you dressed in period clothes for this? We are. Um, our costumer, Jeannie Hartman, is a fantastic uh, seamstress and has great vision, and she's designed some beautiful dresses for us to wear. Uh, I'm very excited about my twirly skirt. I don't often get the opportunity to wear crinoline. So that'll be a lot of fun. Um, I think that the clothing isn't representative of today, but um, I think for a lot of people, it's still it's difficult to to fully express who you are. And while these sisters are very close and um, trusting of each other, there is this one underlying secret at the beginning of the show that most of them are, are afraid to tell themselves, let alone each other. And so I think that um, the the bonding and, and the, the sharing and overcoming that fear is something that we all deal with in our lives at least once. Maybe not about our sexuality, but possibly just about our, I'll say it again, proclivities or, you know, what what matters most to us that sometimes it's it's easier to to wear that mask until the other people around you start letting theirs down as well so would you say this is going to be a hoot or is it going to be a tearjerker because it sounds as if it might be a bit of a mixture it absolutely is a mixture uh it's a it's a hoot from the beginning ren robin hoots with enthusiasm regularly so it is a literal hoot and then there are of course moments that carry a lot of depth to them and, and see some of these characters in really vulnerable positions. So I th I'd like to think that you'll, you'll feel a myriad of emotions the evening that you're there. And you, so really you feel that what 
the message was or what the underlying thoughts were when this play was written mm, 70 years ago, I guess, almost, um, are still issues that we wrestle with today to the same extent? Or do you think that we're beginning to get a bit of a breakthrough? Definitely a breakthrough, but I think it's something that people still wrestle with as far as learning their identities and then feeling fully comfortable uh, sharing those identities. But to clarify, the play was written about, I think, 11 years ago, but it's set in 1956. Oh, okay. I'm sorry. My mistake. My mistake. Okay, Chris, do you find it easy to relate to the subject matter? That's a little bit of a heavy question, but is it easy for you to step into whatever role it is you're playing? Because I'm assuming that there's a sort of a big reveal. Either someone or someones are going to open up to the fact that they are lesbian because we have five lesbians eating quiche. So I'm thinking that maybe all five of you come clean. Is that hard for you to kind of play that or not? Oh, I don't think it's hard to play because I feel like you, with any character you need to like find some sort of way to like connect with them even if they're different from you or any way otherwise you couldn't play them (laughs) so it's you wouldn't consider your role a difficult one no and what's it like having marty direct the play uh it's fun uh and actually it's very funny because technically i've done a scene from this show twice now with her this is just the full time first time we've done the full show (laughs) So the expanded and and unabridged version, right? Yes, and there's like a lot of parts that like when I finally got to see the full thing that like it made everything, put it all together, made sense. And are you, Marty, are you hoping that the theater will be packed for all your performances? I'm sure you do. I would hope so. It's it's Pride Month and it's a fun activity. And even for those who are not Pride people, but people who have an interest in, in, a fun show with a lot of laughter and a little bit of thinking at the same time. You know, not everyone may be a lesbian or what they have to confide, maybe from long ago or or something brand new. Everyone's got different things to confess when in our lives. And as a result, it's it's a little bit of a surprise along the way. From, from for most people. So there is a there is an underlying message that you think would probably hit home with most people. Yes. So are we going to be filing out in silence? No. Oh no. Oh no. <laughs> okay. We're going to be filing out to Patty Page and doing some dancing. Okay, good. Yeah. I didn't know if it sort of suddenly turned heavy in the last five minutes. <laughs> no, we're fine. No. That's all right. You don't have to tell me. We are audience friendly. I like surprises. I can wait for Christmas. I'm one of those people. (laughs) (laughs) It doesn't bother me a bit. Let's just tell people when they can get tickets and when they can go see. So it'll be at the Pam Miller Downtown Art Center, which is on Main Street, opening on the 9th of June. So by the time my podcast uh, is available, it will have already opened. But the following weekend, Friday and Saturday, June 16th and 17th at 8 o'clock. And then Sunday, you have a matinee, Sunday the 18th of June, a 2 o'clock matinee. So several performances there after this podcast 
is released. The downtown art center, the black box, seats a couple hundred people, Marty, is it? With our configuration, it's more like about 165. And um, that's a lot of seats for ACT OUT. We often don't have that configuration. We've basically left the seat configuration from what it was for the previous show, Prom, which was wonderful, the Prom. And we were going to use a little bit less seating, but we looked at it and said, just leave it. And so we got a lot of seats we'd like to fill. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. And this is appropriate for 13 and up and men and women. I, okay. I would really want to know my child to be savvy if they were younger than 13. Yeah. Well, and, and you know, food's always a good draw, as they say. So, <laughs> so if people know that they're going to have a little something in the way of a, a quiche uh, yeah. in the intermission, I'd say that that there will you be... Go. That will be, yeah, I mean, it brings them out in droves. That's <laughs> how I've been trying to sell it. <laughs> Good for you. You you do it because <laughs> it works, I promise. So your director, do you have other kind of behind-the-scenes people working with you? Is there a producer? And evidently there's a costume person. Yes. Um, so the folks that couldn't make it and join us today, do you want to – say a little bit about either your fellow actors or actresses or however we politically correct do that these days um, and who all else is involved in pulling this show together? Well, we've got three other actresses. We have um, the wonderful Carmen Wampler Collins, who is the head of the Pride Center here in Lexington. And she's also on the board that heads up the Pride Festival. So for her to make time to do this show in what is genuinely the busiest time of her year is a great gift. And she's a Smith graduate from um, several years ago, and she was a theater major, but she hasn't done any acting for a while, and she's phenomenal. And then we have Susan Strange, who was last seen at Woodford Theater in the 39 Steps. Oh, that and was She fabulous. was terrific in that, and she played a million different characters in yeah, that. Yeah, it was so clever. Yeah. yeah. And then the last person, Jules Clark, is she's a younger actress. She is very good and vivacious. She just is a real asset and perfect for her character. And I've never seen her before. She's new to me. And I'm delighted to have her with the cast. And I do want to say Soraya's husband, Tommy Gatton, is our set designer and builder. And then we have a lot of other people. And I'll let one of the, I'll let Soraya take that. So Soraya, you're going to tell us who else is involved in. Sure. Well, we have our uh, brilliant stage manager, Robin Kunkel. She has been with us from the, the first meeting, and I know that she's doing a lot behind the scenes as well. She'll be calling the show, so she'll be up in the in the booth with Bill. And Bill is also one of the executive producers, I believe, along with Terry, uh, which uh, Marty had mentioned earlier. And then uh, McKenna Dallas is also going to be backstage managing for the production. Oh, we've got Greg and Kathy Jones doing props. We've got Jeannie, who we mentioned. And uh, we have 
Jeffrey Gillespie decorating the stage. It's a village. But every play is a village. Of course it is. Of course it is. And, and that's sort of how it, how it has to be. And from my very few experiences on the stage, you really do form that close-knit relationship. It doesn't always stand the test of time, but it's, it's very intense because you're working with each other every day. And you also learn that it's a team because somebody doesn't learn their words and they let the whole show down, literally. We have a saying on that, or I have a saying on that, is that if you're not an ensemble off stage, you'll never be an ensemble on stage. So we've worked hard to make ourselves a strong group of friends and women, and it reflects on the stage. And Marty, I'm going to ask you a personal question because I think it's sort of something that you can share on a podcast like this. You lost your husband about a year ago. Mm -hmm. And I want you to kind of talk just briefly because we're quickly running out of time, sadly. But talk about how the arts has kept you going and kept you engaged, basically. I will. Um, a lot of people knew my husband, Rick Wayman. He was a singer and a performer and actor all over this region. Um, he passed away exactly a year ago, two days ago. And he, he was, um, if I wasn't in something, he was in something, or we were both sharing the car going back and forth. And it's been very odd to not have him here rooting me on. Last year, when we were finishing up the normal heart, he hung on, baby, until I was done with that because he knew how important it was before he really got sick. I, I had to step out of a couple things early on. It was too much too soon. And then slowly but surely, I've been ready to go back. I think it's been, for me, an important thing that these women have been so strong and so supportive of me through this process. And, you know, I've gone to see three or four shows, but not very many until about six months ago. And that started to, to move me back towards theater. And when I did that, then I started to really become myself again. And there really is something to be said about therapy through art. Yes. And I think, or the arts, and I think with theater, there is a way that you can step outside yourself and then even kind of step outside yourself and look back at yourself. And I would think from your point of view too, Marty, that doing this play that's about sisterhood and how women support women right. would also have quite a poignant message for you at this yeah. personal point in your life. I didn't mean to pry, but I just sort of wanted to ask you that because I, I knew you'd have something to say to yeah. that question. And we are now basically out of time. I want to thank you all, Chris and Soraya and Marty, for being my guests today. The Act Out Theatre Group putting on their play opening on the 9th of June, Five Lesbians Eating a Quiche. I hope they don't squabble over it. I think from what you've said, they <laughs> Sounds like they're going to be good at sharing, sharing lots of things, not just the quiche. So I've enjoyed talking to you. 
and break a leg, as they say. Thank you, Kate. Thank you. Thank you, Kate. I appreciate it. Thanks. Bye-bye. For more information about this and other Art Throb podcast conversations, visit the Art Throb page at www.artsconnectlex.org.